This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. I'm Sal Barry and with me is Clemente Lisi and Tim Parrish. And today we are going to talk about the Upper Deck Series 2 Young Guns Checklist. We're going to talk about the All-Star jerseys for the upcoming 2024 All-Star Game. Guys, how you doing? And Tim, I'm going to start with you because I'm trying not to laugh because underneath your picture, it says poop emoji. Like, did you try to copy and paste a poop emoji as your name, but it just didn't work? Or are you just kind of putting that in sarcastically? First of all, this could be my antidepressants talking, but I'm doing great. So thanks for asking. No, I did that intentionally. I fancy myself a comedian sometimes, so you can't actually put an emoji in this app for some reason. At least I couldn't figure out how. Yeah, so we're using StreamYard now to record our podcasts, and uh, we can put like our name and stuff. And who knows? Maybe one day we'll actually stream live. Still not sure if I want to take that. Sounds like such a big step, but uh, that's kind of what it's for. But anyway, so all right, you're doing great, and Clemente, how are you? Still hating the trade nights, I see. Of course. I mean, that's my brand now that I'm anti-trade night. No, I mean, I'm for trade night if trade night ever got good, but it's not good. So So how you been, man? Good. Cold. But uh, half the country's probably freezing. I don't even want to hear The warm parts are cold. (laughs) I mean, the warm parts of the country I'm talking about. Your cold is 30 degrees warmer than mine, so I don't want to hear it. Yeah, but Northeast gets really cold. I mean, when we're like 30, 35, 40 degrees and then they're they're hit with like some killer snowstorm and they're like, you know, negative 12 or whatever. So I will only posit this, that New Yorkers walk a lot. You don't really drive anywhere. So when it's cold, even if it's not, you know, negative, it's cold. But anyway, you got to walk fast and work up a sweat. Or just stay home, which is what I've been trying to do for days now. There you go. That's a better (laughs) option. Yeah. Fortunately, I was able to stay home today and watch hockey and do stuff, you know, because I don't have teaching today. But, uh, you know, last week when we recorded, a couple of things. One was that we got a couple of nice comments that I wanted to bring up that I forgot to just copy into my notes to read off. And then the other thing, we were talking about a negative review where somebody said some things about Tim and uh, that part of the podcast got messed up like the audio got messed up so I had to cut it out sounds like sabotage to me no I mean technical glitches happen you know and also my computer's like six years old so it could be any number of reasons but I'll start with this first so somebody with the username of Mike Dennis Emporia, Kansas. Okay, whatever. Not only does he tell it who he is, but where he's from. Yeah. He, he left the rating four out of five stars. Okay, I'll take that. That's 80%. That's passing uh, at the end of the year. And he titled it Discrepancy in Hosts. And then he wrote, and I'm not making this up, he wrote, Sal is wonderful, joyous, full of detailed stories. Tim is so flat in affect and lacking energy. He often just dismisses or is nonplussed by Sal's points and then offers something unoriginal and says it multiple times using slightly different words. The info is awesome and I will listen just for Sal. 
Step It Up Tim. And I will tell you, my mom did not write this. She's dead. My dad did not write this because he wouldn't even know how to find a podcast. So this is sorry, not... I didn't mean to laugh at that. Doctor. No, I mean I was gonna this... say the check cleared. Your Sal, right? Check cleared. But... Yeah, right, exactly, Clemente. I'll, uh, yeah, I'll PayPal you. You're still writing checks, I don't know. Yeah, exactly, right? Like how much would it cost for a five out of five star review? You're like, my mom didn't write this. Well, how come? Well, she's dead. I'm sorry. That just, that got me. That's my non-plusness. Anyway. Yeah. So non-plus and. Unoriginal. Don't forget that. That's the most important. I like that they said that you say the same thing, just using slightly different words. Yeah. I, I don't know what that means, but okay. I'll be more mindful of that and I'll make sure I over explain and then make sure I explain it again, just to cover. And have that thesaurus handy. Now, on the other hand, somebody left a couple of nice comments. Someone named Jenny, who's a reader on the Puck Junk blog. I forgot to mention this last week, but when we were talking about resolutions, she said, my resolution is to organize my collection. It is every year and to read more Puck Junk. Thank you, Sal, for all that you do. I love the podcast and Tim as well. In my inbox every week, there isn't enough good hockey hobby content and you guys really help build that very important void. She also said on another blog post, love that you added Clemente as a writer. He really knows the hobby. I always find his posts interesting. I learn something new each time I read this website. Keep it going in 2024. So there you have it. I see my check cleared then. <laughs> yeah. That's got to be one of your relatives there, Clemente. I said my check, my check cleared, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Do you have a cousin, Jenny? I'm going to open the checkbook a little more, I guess. I don't write checks. Now we just Venmo everything. I don't even have a checkbook, if that tells you anything. Not counting like a rent check or a utility check. I I guess I was going to say, when was the last time you paid a check for something? But actually, I can think of a lot of things I still pay for. I mean, I still have checks. I mean, I don't write them with the frequency that I used to maybe 10 years ago, but like, Sometimes, like, if someone comes to the house and, like, a handyman or something, like, a, we had like, some plumbing work done back in November, I don't know, I gave him a check. Yeah, because yeah, you are not you don't have, like, $900 lying around the house. Like, here you go. Right. right. So it's a faucet or something. Or, like, and then they don't take credit cards because they don't want to, they don't want credit cards. And so then you just write them a check. Right. And then you have a receipt of the transaction. You know what scares me is when you're in line at the supermarket and someone pulls out a check. You ever see that? That's always. Yeah, it happens good. all the time. Yeah, that's always... And I immediately look behind me. If there's no one there, I go to a different lane. Yes, because you know you're going to be there a while otherwise. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Just to give you an example of that, I had my account currently was opened in like 2012, and we started the checks at number 600. And right now, I think we're on like 1650. I think so I say That's how many checks have been written in the last uh, 14 years. Right. So there you go. Yeah. And 90% of those were written by my wife, not me. Yeah. I think like most merchandise, I'll just buy a credit card. But like, you know, every now and then you buy something and you, you mail a check or something. If they don't take PayPal or whatever. You know, I had I had someone tell me that PayPal was like, they're like, you don't have Venmo? It's PayPal now. It's not, you know, it's not PayPal anymore. I'm like, really? Yeah, because I think Venmo doesn't have any type of, we'll give you your money back if you got scammed. Well, PayPal's more complicated, right? PayPal's got that whole, like, friends and family. I mean, we all know this from being at art shows, right? Like, 
friends and family, the whole, you know, the whole limits and all that. I, I know, but it sounds like in the hobby, whenever I go to a show, people always talk about PayPal, not Venmo. So I don't know. Right. Maybe people in the hobby are more for PayPal, but the person told me, oh, you don't have Venmo. I said, no, I have PayPal. And they were like, oh, you're, you're a boomer. I'm like, great. Yeah. How about it? Right. And I called a boomer for, for using PayPal. I thought like, Hey, it's attached to my AOL account. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I actually remember the first thing I bought with PayPal. It was when I, I was, uh, I started using eBay in 1999. And in 2000, my roommate signed up for PayPal. Hmm. And he said, Hey, if you sign up for PayPal and you put my email in as a referral, we'll each get a $5 credit. I said, cool. So I put him in, we each got a $5 credit. And then, you know, I think I had it tied to a credit card or my checking account or whatever. But the first eBay transaction that I made and I used a PayPal account for was to buy some 1988-89 Pro Cards minor league team sets. And I don't remember, it was three of them. And one of them was the Rochester Americans. And I remember that because the guy only sent me two sets and he didn't send me the American set. And that was the one I wanted the most. I forgot what the other two were, but they were whatever teams I didn't have that he had. And I was trying to like get all the teams, you know, and, and I left him a negative feedback because he didn't respond to any of my messages. And then he got like really mad and he's like, remove that negative feedback. I'm like, send me the set you didn't send me. And he's like, no, not until you remove that negative feedback. I'm like, no, forget it. So what happened? Nothing. I didn't get, I never got my Rochester American set from that guy. I ended up buying it from somebody else later on in life. I paid him for three team sets and only got two of them. I will say your story takes me back to, I don't remember the first thing I bought with eBay or with PayPal, but I remember, I'm sure Tim does too. When you went from, instead of sending a check to somebody for the card you wanted, you actually had PayPal. It was like revolutionary. It's like, wow, I pay you now and then I'll get the card in a couple of days as opposed to, hey, I'm mailing you a check. It's going to take another like week to 10 days. Then you get the check. Then you cash it. Then you mail me my card. Like a month would go by. Do you remember though, like when you were a seller on eBay back then, for those of you uh, millennials and Zoomers and whatever the hell you're calling yourself these days who never had to deal with this, somebody would buy your thing. You would send them an invoice, but maybe you'd also message them and be like, hey, I sent you an invoice, right? And then they'd say, I'm sending you a check. And then you'd get the check and then you'd message them and say, I got your check. And then you'd have to wait for it to clear. And then you'd call your bank. And then the bank said, yeah, there's been no chargebacks. And it shows that the amount was deposited. Then you'd say, hey, I mailed your package. Here's the tracking number. All of this stuff you had to do manually. It was it was so like a message in a bottle, but like in the web 1.0 days. And then now it's just so automated. Boom. You know what's funny about that story is that I just said I was offended by being called a boomer. And then we went to stories that proved that I'm a boomer. So thanks. Eh, who cares? You know? <laughs> no, but it, it's true for people who are our age or older, being a seller or even being a buyer, but being a seller on eBay was a huge pain in the butt. Now you didn't know that because you had nothing to compare it to. But you're right, today is a lot easier. Though I will tell you this, and this is probably happened to you guys. I'll still sometimes buy a card from somebody and get an invoice sent to me anyway. And I'm like, I already paid it. I already paid you. Like, 
I don't know. But I think some people are still in that habit or maybe it's automatic. I don't know. But there's still some of that that goes on. But you're right. It's not nearly as cumbersome as it was in 1999 or whatever. I do actually remember the very first thing I bought on eBay. Tim, do you remember the first thing you bought on eBay? Couldn't even begin to tell you. I think it might have been a t-shirt. I'm trying to remember. I, I can't remember. The first thing I bought on eBay was a Russian penguin's lapel pin. Do you still have, you still have it? I still have it, and I oh. wear it sometimes. I pin it on my like my springtime jacket. Mm. That was a collaboration between the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Soviet Red Army team. Uh, the Penguins sponsored them. Basically, they rebranded Siska, the Red Army team, as the Russian Penguins. They had this cartoony penguin as their logo, kind of looks like the Wilkes-Barre Scranton penguin. I was always obsessed with that logo, and I found the lapel pin, and I'm like, I need that. And I was like, $4 or something. I don't remember, but I, I do remember that, though. By the way, good side note, there's a very good documentary about that, if you haven't seen it. so Yes, Red Penguin by Gabe Polsky. Also worth reading is my article about the Russian penguins on the hockey news. I will be sure to link to it so you can read it. Well, why don't we talk about uh, Upper Deck 23-24 Series 2 Young Guns. So it's confirmed Connor Bedard is in Series 2, like Upper Deck has been saying all along. I thought it'd be really funny if they put him in Extended Series. Like, can you imagine, just for a minute, because you got the boxes of Series 2, the hobby boxes, pre-selling for 300 bucks. Imagine if you paid 300 bucks for a pre-sale box of Series 2, and then you find out that Bedard is going to be in Extended Series. You would be pissed. By the way, I think he will be an extended series anyway. There'll be a second Young Guns, just like Lafreniere had. Yeah, why not? Well, I'm sure one of the retros will be in there. Oh, exactly. So they're going to butter both sides of the, of the toast if they want. So This whole thing, like we said in the very beginning, it's going to get milked until it can't be milked anymore. It just is what it is. But look. I mean, we all knew he was going to be the first one. It's card number 451. It's the first one in the set. He's also on the checklist. But, you know, why Why shouldn't he be at this point? Now that we have some season behind us, he's first in points. He's first in goals amongst all rookies. He's played 39 games. Yeah, he's hurt now. He had to have surgery, the whole deal. Is that going to affect him? I don't know. Is he going to come back before Series 2 comes out? Depends if they release it early instead of where it's supposed to be released. Maybe, maybe not. The thing that bugs me about Connor, and I get this, he's on a really crappy team. I mean, let's be honest. No, nothing against the Blackhawks themselves, but they're just not a good team. And you watch them night in and night out, and they show bursts of, like, genius on one play, and then they disappear for a whole period. And he's a minus 22. Now, I know plus minus isn't a great stat and there's more to it than just that but he's a minus 22 that's how bad his team is they give up tons of goals so are they going to hold that against him in the rookie voting for rookie of the year i don't know i think it just really depends on if he comes back or not but i claim to know nothing as far as what it's going to do to his young gun prices i don't think his injury is going to do anything to him because remember, McDavid got hurt in his rookie season too. And it may have cooled off his cards a little bit 
in the long run by the season end, it was just the same as it was when it started. So I don't see that being a huge effect, especially considering we brought in all of these people that are just strictly chasing that young gun and don't collect hockey and don't care about hockey. They just want to pull this card so they can sell it and make big bucks. So until that stops, I mean, it'll carry on. In defense of the Blackhawks, they had a lot of injuries. Like all their all their veteran leadership and guys who actually know what they're doing are hurt. Taylor Hall's out for the season. Andreas Anthony is hurt. Seth Jones is hurt. Nick Foligno broke his finger in a fight when he went after the guy that fractured Bedard's jaw with what was a clean hit, but still. You know, I'm probably forgetting a few other guys who are hurt. Oh, and then uh, Corey Perry was put into exile. So, I mean, like all these guys that they brought in, like all these veteran players are hurt. You really have like the kids running the show and they're, it's like sink or swim and they're sinking. They're trying, they're kind of swimming, but. That's what I said. Nothing against the team itself. It's just. Well, wait, how did the Penguins do Crosby's rookie season? The Penguins were bad. That's the whole reason why they had Crosby. Right, exactly. So saying, well, Bedard's playing on a bad team. It's like, well, yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> the bad team gets the top pick. And then they continue to be bad for a while. They didn't make the playoffs that year, and then they made the playoffs after that. Mm-hmm. And didn't stop making the playoffs until recently. So, But, I mean, you got a cast of characters that surrounded him. You had a bunch of other up-and-coming players. The Blackhawks do as well. I mean, another player that's in this checklist is Kevin Korczynski. I don't say people are going to sleep on him. People in the Chicago area will probably still collect him because he's a Chicago player. But I think because his name's not Bedard, people are going to kind of forget about him. Now, he's by no means like top 10 in, in scoring and stuff like that. But if you look at the overall rookie leaders and points, he's top 25. So... And he's a defenseman, that should be yeah. pointed out. Right. And plus, he logs a ton of ice time. I think he averages almost 20 minutes a game, and he's played 37 games. So, A couple of interesting things. There's six Columbus Blue Jackets in Series 2, Young Guns, uh, which was the most. Surprisingly, Adam Fantilli is not one of them. Yeah, how about that, huh? Yeah, so he and Logan Cooley are not in Series 2, so... Upper Deck is holding them back for extended series, which I think is a good idea to not put all your eggs in one basket. It kind of seemed like series one was kind of like whoever we had left over from the previous season and maybe guys that we could kind of rush into series one. Series two was always like, okay, these are the guys who really made their debut in the fall. And then when they started doing extended series, it's like, well, well, who's left? Who's left? You know, like, oh, yeah, this guy played one game after the All-Star game, or maybe the cutoff is the All-Star game. I don't know. But you know what I mean? It's always like, I don't want to say the leftovers, but kind of like the late season call-ups, if you will. No, at that point, it generally is the leftovers. You can call it that. Yeah, but I mean, look, you never know. I mean, you got guys that like, you know, they come up, they play two games at the end of the season. Usually, though, they tend to be in Series 1 then. Like Devin Levy, who's in Series 1, the Sabres goalie. Oh, Levi, yeah. Levi, sorry. Why did I say Levy? Levi. You know, so you got, like, certain guys that are, like, you know, they, they played, like, the previous season a few games. Personally, look, we know that more than 150 guys make an NHL debut 
in a season. I, I probably can't say that with 100% certainty, but um, well, actually, no, maybe I can't because, uh, yeah, because in extended series, they did like those draft pick cards that were not young guns, but they were still short printed, but they like pictured the player in like a draft day photo. First round rookies. Yeah, that's it. First round rookies. And you know what? That's okay too. Or like when OPG would do like marquee rookies and marquee legends, you know, because it's like, oh, we don't have enough rookies to fill out this set. So let's just do a Patrick Waugh card, a Wayne Gretzky card, a Mario Lemieux card, a Gordie Howe card, and a Bobby Orr card just to like fill out <laughs> the checklist and to get to 500, you know. I think we all can agree that the extended has been, for lack of a better word, a very lackluster set for those chasing the rookie cards just because of the simple fact of yeah you don't want to call them leftovers but essentially they are go all the way back to 2021 look at extended for 2021 you got art kaliev in there you got artem zub who's not like a superstar but everybody in ottawa loves the guy right so he's got some staying power hobby wise from that standpoint and you've got Michael Bunting, who came out on fire and's kind of cooled off. Maybe Drew O'Connor. I don't want people to go out and buy Drew O'Connor cards, but the guy's kind of the real deal in Pittsburgh. I mean, he's getting a lot of playing time and everything else. But other than that, there isn't a whole lot of firepower in that checklist. And you go look now, you can buy a box of this for like under 30 bucks. It's only a few years old. And you can buy extended for like $29.99 almost everywhere. When you go to the shows, everybody has tons of it and they're 30 bucks all day long. Fast forward to 2122. I dare you to name somebody off of that off of that list for that year. You can't because there's nothing. Like you can go through it and yeah, there's a few names here and there that you're like, oh yeah, I've heard of that guy. Like Alex Turcott's on there. He's got still time to cook. You know, Casper Bjorkfist for the Penguins. Perfect example. He's not even in the United States anymore. He went back to playing Sweden. Seth Jarvis is in there. Okay, there's one maybe. But there's not a whole lot of staying power out of that list. Yeah, these are going to be long-term holds if that's what you're into. You know, maybe one of these guys are going to be good. Like everybody was all up on Akira Schmid and, and for the Devils. I mean, he was like playing lights out hockey. And now look at him. So you might have like something like that where a guy's just going to be a bright spot somewhere in the future or be a call up and then go to the, go to last year's the 22, 23, you know, the young gun list was smaller because of those first round rookies that you were talking about, but go through that list again, who's in there, you know, what's driving people to purchase this and say, yeah, I'm looking for that Justin Kirkland card. You know, I need that Anton Lefchie card or Marcus Bjork or like, like to speak, talk about another Columbus Blue Jacket. I think what Upper Deck is doing is kind of smart from their standpoint, because if you take two of the top rookies and save them for the end, anybody that's got any interest in them at all has to wait until that product comes out. So they're going to have to shell out the money for it. So if it's 150, 160, 170 bucks, it wouldn't shock me in the least because with Logan Cooley being in there and, you know, having Fantilli, held back for that as well i mean those are two great rookies i think with upper deck with extended series i think 2021 i don't know if that was initially their plan 
because it came out that summer. Let me think. Yeah, 2021. Like it came out late. I mean, everything came out late. But I think as they keep doing a third series, they keep fine tuning it. You know what I mean? Okay. The first year it only had 30 young guns and not 50. All right. So let's try to get it to 50 short prints for whatever reason. I guess you could do 30 short prints per set. And then they do a lot of inserts. And I, I can't believe how those inserts just don't get any love. Like, I know there's so many inserts and it's overwhelming, but like extended series has always had really good inserts. Absolutely. You know, with like holographics and uh, UD3. I mean, they did like a lot of like those late 90s, early 2000s inserts that were like really cool. Yeah, they had the finite radiance ones. Yep. And like nobody cares. Well, and that's the thing. One one thing that drives Upper Deck Flagship into the ground is when it hits EPAC. You know it. Clemente, you know it. We all know it. When this stuff hits EPAC, those inserts that you could get a buck or two for are now 27 cents because it's always the race to the bottom on there. Everybody's trying to have the lowest price so they can make the sale, and it's the race to the bottom. And you have all of these inserts now that you can pick up. There's no denying. They're really cool. The designs are great. The throwbacks, I love it. They're awesome. That's why I think 30 bucks for extended from 2021 is, it's ridiculous. You know, I'd buy that all day if I had nothing else to buy. Or a uh, retail box for 15. There's that too. But yeah, all the time extended is, is got great, really great designs and you know, the choice that they pick for throwbacks for all of that stuff is is great. Bringing all those old insert sets back and, you know, Upper Deck's got a long history of all sorts of subsets and inserts from every product that they've ever made that they can pull from and harken back to. And it's going to bring out the nostalgia in most people. It's just as a product as a whole, what do people want? They want the rookie cards. They want the young guns. And if there's nobody they've ever heard of or see every day, they have no interest. Now, I will say that, you know, I wish that the inserts were more notable. You know, I think what the flagship is missing is inserts that are rare, but also like the type of like insert that like Kaboom has for Panini, you know, like that kind of insert where people would, would actually want to chase it. And I think flagship is, is almost built around set collectors, but we know that those people are a dying breed. We know that because we know it, but also because... If they were in a dying breed, extended series would, would be worth more. I remember at the National, I think they were selling extended for, what, $60 maybe? And even that was low. I didn't buy one because there were no good rookies. And if you have the set already, or, or like you said, you can get each car for $0.20 cents if you go on Comp C or somewhere else. You don't even need to buy the box, you know, not to, not to be able to even finish your set that way. And so, you know, stuff like that is, I think, you know, they have to think of something, you know, it's a little bit more clever, I think, because otherwise I feel like you open a box and then at the end of the day, you're just looking to get the set for us set collectors. And then good luck getting any of the young guns, you know, like, you know, good luck getting the Bedard young gun or even being able to, to pull it. I mean, you know, and then good luck even trying to afford the checklist version of uh, Bedard on the checklist. I mean, I always thought, you know, the set comes out February 29th. It's going for $300, the box. I'm like... If you want to spring for the box, you may be better off just keeping it keeping it sealed. Because if Bedard becomes a superstar, people will want that box. 
he might not be in there, of course. But, you know, we're going back to like in the early 90s when people were buying boxes and hoarding them with the hope that it was worth something. And that's not to underestimate the overprinting possibility here, too. So it's a short print, but out of what? You know, compared to the base, but how big is the base? So we'll see. All right. Just to give a little perspective, you would get a Bedard about a Bedard young gun once in about every nine boxes because you still get six young guns per box. There's 12 packs now instead of 24 packs. So you think about that, you buy a box at 300 bucks, that's 25 bucks a pack. I mean, that's ridiculous because you think of like, Tim, you could probably think of a couple of sets. Like what are sets now that have packs that are like 20, 25 bucks, right? Artifacts, is that like a $20 a pack kind of set? But you know what I mean, right? Like when you have like those e-pack packs are like 20 bucks a pack, $25 a pack. But then you look at like upper deck and it's like, oh, $5.99 a pack, $6.99, you know what I mean? $4.99, whatever, right? Now it's a $25 a pack thing. I mean, you know what it does, right? It prices out anybody that's not spending their own money. And that's mostly people under the age of 18, unfortunately. I hate to bring up the boomer thing again, but... You know, that's kind of what we're being here by saying, oh, I remember when packs were only this much or that much or this much. Am I saying we need to evolve? No, I'm not saying that. I don't necessarily think we need to evolve to any point in time because we would all go back to where it was 99 cents a pack or even 50 cents a pack. But I think the point is, as more and more interest and eyeballs get thrown on this stuff and namely this year with Connor Bedard driving this class, it pushes the price up, whether it's the suggested price coming from the manufacturer, which I don't think it is. I think it starts at a certain point, but I think it's the distributors that are getting the product that are charging what they're charging to the dealers that they're selling the boxes to. And it's the dealers that are trying to make a couple bucks off of it, knowing that there's going to be hype because if they put it at 200 bucks a box, they may not get the three of us to buy it, but they're going to get somebody and it's going to sell out. It would sell out at 300. It would sell out at 400 probably. I know that's crazy to think about, but I it will because the hype around this card, this one card that might be one per nine boxes, that's what you said, nine boxes. The hype around this card is it will at least be a grand initially, at least. Probably more, but I bet it's at least a grand. If the draft day card that is not by any means rare, I point you to closed eBay auctions now if you don't believe me. If that card is selling for 400, the young gun has to be a thousand. Must be more than double, right? Yeah, it has to be more than double. Easily. And again, is it going to be rare too? No, it's short printed. Yeah, because it's a young gun. But is it going to be any more rare than any of the other young guns? I don't think so. Yeah, but you guys have pointed this out before, and we'll point that out again. Connor McDavid's young gun is not rare. If you look at the PSA, you know, more graded cards, and people will still pay yep. a lot of money for it. And he's a great yep. player. We know that. But that card isn't rare either. And I guess maybe demand is what drives the price. It's not the scarcity. We always think it's scarcity or how rare something is. I'm starting to think it's not because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many. If they printed a million of them, people would still want them. You know? Yeah. And 
is it going to cool off? Absolutely. Will it cool off in six months? Maybe not. Will it cool off in a year? Yeah, maybe a little. My fear is that he'll he'll take off, and the price will never then come down enough for people like us to jump in. Because if it's starting at eight hundred, goes to a thousand, goes to two thousand. Let's say he gets hurt or something happens, goes down to fifteen hundred or a thousand. Is it going to ever go down past that original starting price that we see on day one? It's not going to go down to where we want it to go down to. <laughs> we want it to be a $20 card so we could finish our sets. I get it's not a $20 card. I understand that. 500 300 I mean, and that's crazy to think that that's within reason. I think this will be more than that. And I think I'm afraid that short of a big lull or some, some really bad injury to him, and we don't want that, this price isn't going to go down. No. And so then people will never be able to get in. Nobody wants to see anybody injured or anything, and especially not Correct. a player like that Correct. that's going to drive eyeballs and demand for the product, both card-wise and the actual NHL itself, because people want to see that. They want to see this phenom. They want to see goal scoring. They want to see you know the next one. I hate using that term. No, but I agree. It's good for the league. It's good for everything. So we're not here to complain. We're just trying to figure out where this runaway price will be for a card that ultimately may not warrant it. That's all. Well, we can speculate all you want. My guess is a thousand. That's, that's the number I'm putting, I'm putting it at. If you want to do over under on that and take the over, I don't hate you for it. Look, if it's under that, it's not under by a lot. It could be a 50, 900. Yeah. We'll know in a month, people will start posting stuff on eBay Maybe there are postings already on speculation. Hey, I'm selling the Bedard Young Gun once I get it. You know? oh, I'm sure. I you know, looked, I'm you sure. see that all the time. People start selling things that don't exist yet. Right. Um, and we don't even know, right, Sal? We don't even have a, a, a an idea of what this card looks like. They haven't put out any art on it, on the card at all. Right? So we don't know what it looks like. I haven't seen any uh, preview images of it yet. Which makes me think that they're still... It's still maybe not finalized, or maybe it is. And they, they, you know, the suspense is is building, obviously. And we've been talking about this now since the, the day he got drafted. I mean, they're milking it for all they can. I mean, it's it's. And why not? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Right. You know, just uh, like with Alexei Lafreniere, when his young gun came out, it launched. It was selling at around six hundred bucks, and I waited and waited and waited, and then I ended up getting one for like maybe. 100 and i think i got a second one for like 70 or 80 and i don't even think it's worth that anymore but you know those were prices i was comfortable with paying i think the same thing with like kirill kaprizov i think i got his young gun i think i bought one for like 100 and like another one for like 80 or 90 uh, i don't know what it's worth now i don't really care i have two of them i'm happy i don't really need two of them i just needed one for my set the other one was kind of more of like an opportunity came about. And I said, oh, okay, well, I'll buy that. And uh, what else you got? Yeah, but you're right. If it starts at 1000 it's hard to see it ever going down to be like a $100 card. Unless, well, two things could possibly influence that. One is that there's just so damn many of them with retail, with hobby, and with EPAC. And remember, EPAC, they don't have to print the base cards. They're just printing the young guns and the inserts, and that's what people want. When they go on EPAC, they know, yeah, they can combine 10 base cards to get a special 
glittery base card and combine 10 of those for like the super glittery, I call it the twice baked potato of trading cards. Cause that's what it is. You can combine 10 and now you have the other parallel, but like nobody really cares about that. They're after the young guns. Right. And you know, I mean, if people could buy e-packs for $15 and they're like, I don't care about the base cards. I just want to see if I get uh, what young guns I get. Right. The thing is, is like, if I was upper deck, just keep printing them, just print them, print them because they only make money when they make that initial sale. Like it doesn't matter if you get a Connor Bedard and you sell it for a thousand dollars, they don't make any money off of that. So it's their incentive to say, Ooh, wow, that sold for a thousand dollars. Oh, by the way, we're selling packs on EPAC for $20 a pack. And then, you know, try to get people to buy those, which they will. Because yeah, because these numbers you're throwing out, these we're guesstimating here. These are the raw versions. Once people start to grade them, you create a whole other layer of a market where the PSA 10 of the rookie card is not worth $1,000. That could be worth 2000 And now a new bar is set. And now all of a sudden now you have more and more people. And now with, with PSA and you know all the other companies turning over quicker, now I'm seeing the Easter egg, the Dart card graded like all over eBay. They're graded now because it's been enough time. Those are worth, you know, a decent amount of money. And so, I mean, so you create a whole new market, a whole new layer with that. And so I think the majority of people that listen to the show or are in the hobby and care about the hobby and care about these cards and care about collecting, want to be able to afford it. You know, I'm not saying it needs to be $20 because that's not realistic, but the people with the bro cases, this is going to be their thing. Okay, boomer. I'm telling you, it's Chicago Sports Spectacular in March. When this card is about three weeks old, maybe a month, depending, that's going to be, I keep saying it, ground zero for this for this card. Because I listen to other podcasters. I know, gasp. What? What? And some of them just do soccer or do other sports. And even they're like, hey, you know, hockey's big. You know, this is guy Bedard on there. And I'm like, these people have never heard of hockey. Or, or the sport, and they're throwing it out there. We've drug all these people over onto our side. And even if it's only for a minute. They're not on our side. They're just here for that card. They're not here for everything else. They don't care about anything else. That's what I mean. Even if it's only for a minute, they're here for now. They're here to flip it, to make some money, and then they're gone again. Trust me, they're not going to hang out, and that's fine. But they're going to drive the price up. You know, this is like real estate. People from all over. They come, they, they want something, they raise the prices, then they move out and the price is up. Now it doesn't go back down. And so on this card, I'm afraid that the people who are the, the basketball people, the soccer people, the people that do the flipping, they're going to be all over this and that's it. And we have to just deal with it. So let's do this. Let's shift what we're talking about here to any of the young guns that are worthwhile going after that aren't named Bedard. Well, I like the Leo Carlson. I feel like he could be a, kind of a sleeper, you know, and I can see people, I can see, or even Krajinski, we mentioned him. I can see people not even caring about anybody else in Series 2. Literally nobody else. Leo Carlson right now is 14th in points in rookie scoring. He's got eight goals. But guess what? He also is hurt. So Carlson's got kind of that. Okay, this guy's injured, so now his name's going to be out of the news. And he had—he was the one guy that everybody had as their great white hope of being able to catch Bedard and knock him from you know the top. Well, if they're both hurt, that gives other people a chance to maybe catch up a little bit. And if you look at 
the list of guys that are in there. Look, if you take the top 25 rookies in scoring, the top 25 right now, 11 of them are in this checklist. 11 are in this checklist. So you can't tell me that it isn't a fairly strong checklist when it comes to decent rookies. Because it is. It's it's by far a decent list. And I'm not talking their their top because you know we're listing 25 rookies and generally anything below number 10 is just a crappy player. Yeah, well, they're still playing games. I mean, you've got like Zach Benson, for instance, who plays for the Sabres. The guy's played 34 games this year. He's 17th in points, 18th in goals, but still, he's a top 20 rookie right now. And he's getting a lot of ice time and getting the chance to play a lot of games. You got Matthew Poitras on there. Again, 15th in goals and 15th in points. But he's played a decent amount of games to, to actually register that. Minty. I mean, bring up another another Ducks player. Great player. Pavel Mintnikov. Guy's played 40 games this season. I mean, he's 10th in points in, in rookie scoring. So there's a lot of guys on this list. Another one that I like is Tyler Cartia from uh, the Kraken. This kid's, he's fun to watch. And he's played all 42 games that they've played already this year. So, I mean, he's out there. I'm not saying go after these guys and chase them down and put all your money into them because I said so. Definitely don't do that. But are these guys that have potential that a year, two years, three years down the road that these might be $20, $30 young gun cards, $40, $50? Yeah, there's a good chance of that. That's what I mean. I mean, I feel because the heat's off on these guys in terms of demand. So it's all going to be off the dart. So you're right. Maybe these, these guys are all going to be going for $10, $15 maybe. And that's pretty good when you can get them all, you can gobble them all up. Maybe the key is to gobble those guys up first. Worry about Bedard later. When Connor Zary three years from now is like in the top 10 in scoring, everybody will be like, where's this guy's rookie card? And no one's going to remember where it came from. It's going to be something like that. Right. Two things real quick. Well, Connor Zeri's actually fifth in rookie scoring right now. And, uh, you know, uh, Leo Carlson actually came back today. He was playing in the uh, Martin Luther King Day afternoon game against the Florida Panthers. He actually tried to pick a fight with Matthew Kachuk, which seems like a good way to get re-injured. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, he's a, he's a big guy. See? He's a big he's guy. He's got fire. Yeah. yeah. He's got so... fire. And he's willing to go out there and, and mix it up. I still think, this is, again, my opinion, and I've said it before, I still, to this day, think that there is a better rookie, but it's not in this class because his rookie card was already out, not last year, I think the year before. But he's still eligible to be the rookie. Think of Marco Rossi, right? Marco Rossi. That dude is the real deal. He's still a rookie, technically. He could shoot. He could score. He's a playmaker. And the dude will mix it up because he plays heavy. And he's got, like, everything you'd want in a player. And he's in the top in scoring. I think he's in the top three for rookies because he's still rookie eligible. So right. it's kind of crazy when you look at that and you're like, wait a minute, Marco Rossi, I think his rookie card was, like, two years ago. Well, yeah, it was. 
So, I mean, I don't know. It's look, I'm not saying, you know, Bedard is the be all end all to this set. It's going to drive the set. And a lot of these guys are going to be forgotten, but again, don't, don't forget them is all I'm saying. There's still opportunity there for some decent rookie cards to come out of this class. Maybe not at the, by the end of the year, maybe not next year, but within the next two to three years, there's at least a half dozen, if not 10 guys that are going to be sought after out of this checklist. I have a couple of examples. I remember in 0506, now I never did get a Sidney Crosby young gun. Could have had one for a hundred bucks. Didn't buy it. Still kicking myself. Alex Ovechkin never got his young gun, but I remember like everybody else was being thrown into like the bargain boxes on all the sets, not just necessarily Upper Deck Series 1 and Series 2. So I remember getting like rookie cards of like Henrik Lundqvist and Corey Perry and Corey Crawford and Duncan Keith. Uh, Maybe not him so much because he's in Chicago, but even in Chicago, nobody was collecting Corey Crawford because he was still in the minors. But like a lot of the good rookies from 0506, I was picking up for next to nothing because everybody was like Crosby, Ovechkin, Ovechkin, Crosby. And if it wasn't one of those two, then it went into the quarter box or the 50 cent box. Likewise, 1516. Connor McDavid overshadowed everybody in that series one class. But I mean, it also had Dylan Larkin. It also had Artemi Panarin and probably a bunch of other guys that I'm forgetting were in like series one, but those cards were like worth next to nothing because everybody was so fixated on McDavid that everything else just kind of got cast aside, you know, and now those cards have some value to them. And so you, you do see that the hot card goes up right away. The other cards just take time and then people figure it out and go, oh yeah, that guy's pretty good. I should get his rookie card. Oh, it's from four years ago. Okay. And then, and then you start getting, you know, the uptick in the prices. You know what I think is funny about this checklist? Hmm. It's kind of changing the subject, but card number 462 and 463. If you take a glance and just look at the checklist, you have to do a double take because you're like, what? Because... Six four sixty two is Alex Laferriere, mm-hmm. and it looks like it says Alex Lafreniere. Mm-hmm. And number four sixty three is Matt Murray, but not like Matt Murray. Matt Murray, two time Stanley Cup champion, but like the second Matt Murray that plays for Dallas, and he's also a goalie, which he's is also super annoying. Yes, right. So it's like I'm looking for Matt Murray. Two hands go up. The goaltender Matt Murray. Both hands go up. The yeah. goaltender who won the Stanley Cup, Matt Murray. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I yeah. thought that was funny as I was looking through that initial checklist. Because I was looking for to see who the Penguins were on the list. And I saw Matt Murray. I'm like, I did like a double take. I was like, oh, yeah, that guy. Well, when I was so. looking at the Tops Now stickers for the week, and I saw that they had a, a Matt Murray sticker with the Dallas Stars, and I'm like, wait, when did Murray get traded to the Dallas Stars? Like, I can't keep up with his career. Uh, and then, oh, it, it's another Matt Murray. Well, that's awkward. Yeah, that's kind of weird. I just wonder if Ryan Shea is going to be in a Blackhawks uniform or a Penguins uniform. Well, he was traded to the Penguins, right? He was. Well, he was signed. Yeah. I mean, his rights were signed by the Penguins. Yeah. So he's going to be in a Penguin uniform because his NHL debut was with the Penguins. 
Eh, I don't know. Oh yeah, it might be a head and shoulder shot. Always, always hated those. You know, now with Red Wings or whatever, or now with the Penguins, or now retired. Let's talk about the All Star jerseys, Tim. I'm gonna let you look up what they. Oh yeah, I'm pulling it up right now. What am I looking at? They're All Star jerseys. Wow. <laughs> So the thumbnail for this only has the center two that were in the promo photo. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, is this a ketchup and mustard bottle? <laughs> okay, continue with your thought. That's my initial reaction. No, my my initial thought when I saw it was it looked like something out of McDonald's or something. Like, like I don't know why I got a McDonald's feel. I know that Sal made another analogy. Yes. Which made sense once he said it. But like to me, I'm like, this looks like something that... From like McDonald's in the eighties or something. Like it was a very weird pattern and design. And I wonder if it'll look better on the players. Than no, those just hanging there. But no, no, you know, way. whenever the NHL cannot get worse with their all-star jerseys, somehow they get worse with their all-star jerseys. Do you remember back during the North America versus the world phase when they added the collars, like the little foldy floppy collars, like soccer jerseys? to the all-star uniforms and everyone is like those are terrible those are like on soccer uniforms the little the the collar right and then the lapels right and then remember a couple years back they had like the bright green and like was it like green and gray and black and white they were just like not like the dallas stars does that punch you in the eyeballs green but i like that i call them the mountain dew jerseys the bright green that they wear against the black but like the NHL, like every couple of years, they come out with jerseys that are just terrible, all-star jerseys that are terrible. I mean, yeah, you know what? The orange and the black were atrocious, but that's what I grew up with, and I liked them because at least it was styled after the logo, and it's like, okay, these are our colors, black, white, and orange. So that's the colors that the all-star jerseys used, and that's fine. And then they, you know, in the 90s, they went with like the teal and the purple and, you know, more 90s colors. But these look like if the original crew of the Star Trek Enterprise played hockey, they would be wearing these jerseys because we have a bright yellow jersey that's the same color as Captain Kirk's shirt. And yes, I know Kirk sometimes wore a green shirt, but he wore yellow. We have a bright red one that Scotty wore. We have a bright blue one that Spock wore. I mean, and then there's like a white one. And now in like the reimagined Star Trek series, uh, the medical, uh, like I think Nurse Chapel wears like a white tunic or whatever so these can be freaking star trek hockey jerseys then they got an nhl logo but they have bubble letters and then behind them is a star but it's kind of a lopsided star so if you kind of look at it it kind of looks like the communicator badges that they would wear in star trek and star trek the next generation these were designed by justin bieber's clothing brand which is called drew house boy you should have just dropped the mic on that one what they were designed by Justin Bieber. Next topic. Well, we don't know if he designed it. He just gets credit for it because it's his company. But Drew House, which is his fashion design brand. The thing is, the NHL smart to collaborate with Justin Bieber. But this is just not good. Remember he did those Maple Leaf jerseys that like had like, was it like a big yellow smiley face? I don't think they were actually their jerseys. They were like some sort of like non-Jersey jerseys that he designed or something. 
he's a Leafs fan. That's great. But you kind of want him to participate and be involved with the league, but not necessarily like design jerseys. Like have him sing at the All-Star game. That would be awesome. People would tune in for that, to, you know, <laughs> so that they can watch it on TSN or, or wherever they bury the game. Is there any celebrity challenge at this All-Star game? Because maybe he'll get like double body checked for these jerseys. Yeah. You know, because they're so bad. I think they're pretty ugly. So, you know, and are people going to buy them? I don't know. We'll see. The people who like them obviously are going to buy them. I think the thing is, is because like, if you kind of like them, you have to buy them because they change them every year. You know, I think, I mean, you think of like the John Scott All-Star year. I liked those jerseys, but they were simple. They were black, white, and gray. And I think maybe they had a little bit of a, a color highlight. I, I can't remember. I think I think like the NHL logo maybe had yellow or gold or orange on it or something. But those are like nice and simple. You know, you got four teams. They're doing a player draft, fantasy draft. So that's fine. You have a green team and a blue team and a white team and what, a yellow team. That's fine. But like, yeah, these are just hideous. These are not for us. This is like the boomer episode of the Puck Jug podcast. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. We keep going <laughs> on to these topics that are like turning us into the grumpy old men. Oh, by the way, you said we were boomers and we're Gen Xers, Tim. No, I know, but they call you boomer just to say you're old. That's what the young people call us. Anybody over 30 is a boomer now. Like yeah, you know, not... my, kids, my kids call me boomer all the time. And I right. call them boomer too when they <laughs> act stupid. And they get mad. We can't be boomers. We're too young. I'm like... No, you can. You're an idiot. But the truth is, we're living up to that. We're living up to that billing. We're, we're getting grumpier with every topic here. Well, yeah. And here's the thing. Here's what I'm getting at on these. We watch the All Star Game, like the three of us. A lot of our listeners may watch the All Star Game. I also know that there's a bunch of people that listen to our show that absolutely abhor the All Star Game and hate it. And it's not hockey and it needs to go away. And every time we talk about it, they change the station. I get it. Okay. But we're going to talk about it because we are. And these aren't for us. If you look at the way these are designed, these are like straight up. I'm trying to get the 25 and under crowd to get excited about these and do something that makes it look like we're in tune with and we're hip. You know, I can see this in my head. This conversation went down over a boardroom table and somebody pulled these out and everybody said, no way. And then somebody said something else. And Gary Batman was like, okay, I get it. I'm hip. I understand what the kids like. And this is something that they went for. But still, look at how they're designed. Like you said, Sal, it's like a rounded off corner stuff. It's bubble letters. You know, it looks like a Star Trek logo in the middle because you can barely see the two sides of the stars on either side. But look at the arms on these. They got the stars down the sides with racing stripes. And if you look at the white jersey, it looks like it should be a referee jersey (laughs) because it's white and it's got the black stripes going down it. And it's really bizarre looking. Now, when they put these whole ensembles together, maybe they'll look okay on a player skating around the ice. I don't think they will, but whatever. It's an all-star game. You know, it's for fun. Hang on. You got to see on the back of the jersey. You can't see this because that picture doesn't have the back of the jersey. But they put the nameplate below the number. So it's it's like on the butt area? Yeah. It's like the lower back. It's like where you get a tramp stamp. 
I've never seen that on any kind of sports jersey of any sport ever. Oh, uh, yeah, I can name one. The women's hockey jerseys tend to put their names under the numbers because they have longer hair. So their name would get covered by their hair sticking out of their helmet. So they put their names under their numbers, which I thought was actually a very creative workaround for that. Right. That just seems weird to me because then if you're getting this jersey and you want to wear it, let's say, and then you end up sitting on the name. If you're sitting, you end up sitting on the name. So it's weird. Yeah, I don't know. You know, like you said, they're they're not for me. But like, you know, if they did a reverse retro and they just said, all right, we're doing a 90-91 jerseys, I'd be like, cool. Or if they just did a spin on the 90-91 with like the stars on the sleeves and the stars around the waist and like just using like three colors and then like the all-star patch on, was it on both shoulders? Now, I do like that they put the team patch will still be on the shoulder. So if the guy, you know, if it's Sidney Crosby on the Penguins, he'll have the Penguins patch on one of the shoulders. And I, I think that's cool. I like that touch. When they announced these, they had a little blurb thing that they did on Hockey Night in Canada about them. And they were trying to explain the reasoning behind the design change and why it was so drastically different. And again, being that it's a fashion company that's affiliated with Justin Bieber, the whole thing was youth forward. You know, what are kids into? They're, they stare at their phones all day. They, they're into like quick and flashy and, and stuff like that. And that's why they designed them the way they did, is to draw, draw that attention. Did you see the picture of Austin Matthews wearing the blue one? He looks miserable. <laughs> I know him and Beaver are friends, but in the picture, and I don't know if he did that on purpose, but he looks like he'd rather be doing anything but that. It's kind of a funny picture. They they posted it. It looks like a Polaroid, but it's it's Matthew's just standing there. Just it looks looks totally nonplussed. Okay, well, thank you for listening to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. As always, if you've enjoyed the show, please be sure to like and subscribe please be sure to tell your friends. Please follow us on social media. And until next time, collect what you like and what you can afford. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at PuckJunk.